All right, Clay. Ready, ready to get this thing rolling? Yeah, I'm ready. Everybody, welcome to the X Factor Open Podcast with Clay Trine, probably one of the better heading resumes of all time. I'm pretty excited to just be here, Clay. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's been a long time coming. Yeah, man. Uh, we've been trying to, I've been asking uh, probably about every week for the last, I don't know, 52 weeks or so. Probably. To, and we live uh, about 25 minutes apart, so it's kind of sad, but that's how, how I work usually. Well, I think just because the schedule that everyone's on, it's pretty pretty wild. But right now, we're uh, we're being quarantined, so... We're free. Yep. Now, we can, not much going on. All right. Well, to to kind of get into things, there, there was a few times that these, these questions have been like in my mind for a very long time. We videoed with, uh, for like a Smarty Young Pro deal a couple of years ago, and so there's a couple kids at your house that were... One was a seven or an eight healer another mm-hmm. one was a nine healer mm-hmm. and they asked the question to you uh if you could give any advice to a young roper and uh one thing you said to me and this has stayed with me forever is <laughs> enjoy the wins more than the losses yeah because i think that's just from my experience that's the one flaw i i've i've hated losing so bad that i didn't enjoy the wins and if i told my kids one thing because they want to rope it's i mean you got to take it serious and it's it becomes a job i mean it's fun when you start as a kid you love every part of it and then the older you get it just becomes a job and sometimes the older if you have a long career like i've had i haven't asked the older guys that went before me but i would have to say they'd say the same thing and then you kind of quit enjoying it so uh you know enjoy the wins enjoy the you know enjoy the process and i think i didn't do that very good so if i had to change one thing about my roping there's a lot of things that change, but that that would be the main thing as far as roping. It's just enjoy enjoy the victories more and don't get so down on yourself, uh, you know, with the losses because the losses come. I mean, it's like baseball. You you're not gonna, no one's perfect in this sport. You're gonna lose a lot, and it's fine. You just gotta win at the right times and you know win more than you lose. Right, right. So, because I've heard that about you is you might win, for example, like the George Strait or something like that, a huge huge victory that. Every, if I win the George Strait, I am happy for the next three or four years. Yeah. I, I cannot, I don't care if I lose <laughs> at that point. But I've heard the very next day you might be at a jackpot and, and do not like that situation when it goes bad. Yeah, I don't. And that's, and that's not a good thing. It's kind of my personality. I've kind of always been that way. Um, I've always said it, you know, like you get titles when, you know, like best header, or best healer. And I probably had that title for, you know, a few years or whatever. Everybody's telling me I was the best. And I always said it doesn't really matter who the best a title doesn't win you anything whoever ropes best that next day wins so what you won yesterday doesn't matter um and that's kind of the way i always looked at it. it's what who does what today and that guy that won today was the best not the title doesn't win you nothing um and i know titles are fun people like to talk about it it's just something to talk about but you know when you're living in the middle of it i just kind of always looked at who was you know what the next day you know like I said, whoever won that day is the best that day, and that's all that matters. Right, right. So your boy, what's your what's your oldest boy? Uh, what's his name? Tyler. 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 And Braylon's my middle one. So that same day, he was over there healing, uh-huh. just kind of roping the donkey or something, and you pulled the, them two boys aside and said, hey, will you go beat up on my son? He's got that homeschool confidence. He doesn't yeah. think anyone's better yeah. than him at anything. I, jo- I joke with it because my wife's family, they were homeschooled, and I was kind of around them when they were all kind of younger, some of them, because she's one of the older ones. And sometimes when you're homeschooled, you don't realize anybody out there is better than you. 
And so when you go to a public school or something, you know, any sport, there's other kids that are good at stuff. So I just kind of just mess with them all the time. Right, right. But is that something you try to to make sure your kids know? Like, hey, there's there's people out there that are that are very very good at things, and you gotta you kind of oh, gotta work. Oh, most definitely. Well, I always tell my kids because they do love roping. Um, my oldest is just all in, knows everything about it, which he's kind of always been that way, even since he's been a little kid. It ain't even really me telling him. I mean, I don't, the stuff he knows, I I don't think a dad could tell him all the stuff that he knows. He just picks it up. And the other one's hard to tell because he just follows in line, but because you know Tyler's so outgoing about it but yeah I'll tell them like because if they want to rope good they'll be like oh this kid rope good ropes good and this kid ropes good and I'm like hey you're gonna have to go against Cody Snow he's only 23 years old you're 14 well in five or six years if you get good enough he's gonna be in his prime so that's who you gotta get better than it ain't so much the kid you're roping against now you're gonna have to go against those guys right right was that was that what it was like when you were kind of growing up too was it pretty competitive competitive environment for you well, me and my brother are not that far apart in age, and my dad, he, he was pretty hard on us in, in a good way, though. But yeah, it was competitive. Me and my brother were competitive. Um, I, we didn't really grow up with much money, so if we roped, we needed to do good and win. And I was, you know, me and my brother were really competitive at sports, kind of good at everything growing up. And then, uh, you know, like I said, just wanted to win. I, it wasn't quite the same because I think, my dad made the NFR and stuff, but he had kind of been removed for it for a while. So we were almost naive to the process. Like, you know, everybody thinks if you make the NFR, you got it made financially and all this. It's not true. I mean, you got to keep winning. It's kind of a, it's an expensive sport. So if you lose for a few years, you'll give it back everything that you ever won. So it's kind of a, and so we were a little naive to all that. And I'm not as naive to it. So with my kids, I'm probably a little harder on them with, hey, man, you got to get good. Right. Real good. And I realized that once I got into it and maybe growing up as a kid, we didn't really think of it that much, you know, but nowadays everybody's so smart. Like, <clears throat> you know, when, we were, when I was growing up, I'm old enough, there was no cell phones or no, you know, if you want to watch good ropers rope, it was, you know, you had to go to the Billings rodeo, you know, the Nile, there'd be, you know, some guys, some years, like when I was younger, a lot of people went, it was a big rodeo. So like Jake Barnes and Clay Cooper, they'd go and stuff. And then the older I got, it just got to where the guy's just trying to make the NFR. So basically, you only got to watch guys there. Um, the BFI would have a tape out. Usually, you could watch that. Uh, two back, you know, they called it two back back then. Um, but it was still at Tucson. They they had a tape, you know, buy those every year, watch those. That was about it. Maybe if you, you know, I'd go with my dad. He'd circuit rodeo and stuff. So over the 4th of July, we'd go and you might, you know, you know how it is in a performance. You get to see a couple of good teams at Cody and Livingston. That's about it. And Right. So, you know, and then you, then the NFR started coming on TV like in 94 is when it started um, on ESPN2. I remember we'd, we'd buy ESPN2 just to watch the NFR. They'd show five teams, but that was kind of how, you know, just getting our start looking back, that's kind of stuff we did. Right, right. So that first year you made the NFR, um, were, who was who your partner? I forget. I what, worked with Caleb Tulselman. You worked with Caleb yeah. the first year you made the finals. And before that point – jackpotting or otherwise there was only a few bigger ropings it was probably two back straight bfi but really there wasn't a ton of big big open jackpots had had you had any success at any of any of those pots no not really i'd never really been to any honestly i've been to the bfi um i roped with nick sarche in in 99 and uh i'd never been to the george Strait. it was kind of the george Strait back then was in july though in kingsville texas it was almost like it wasn't even talked about like it is I mean, obviously, the guys that were rodeoing 
full time knew about it, but like I didn't even hardly know about it. Um, and so pretty much just the BFI. I remember the California, like uh, they had uh, ropens out there in the spring, just like they do now. They had like the, um, you know, the Oakdale rope and the Mike Booth rope and they had that. That was good. And then Bruce, big one, always he, he's always had his. And I'm trying to think, there might have been one other one. Like the hork dog, when I first started, like the hork dog wasn't even around. It was around in '01, right? Um, and that was a good one from the start. Um, but yeah, yeah, there wasn't just wasn't many ropings. I hadn't. I remember the first year I rodeoed. I come back second. I didn't have a very good horse. Me and my brother were riding the same horse, but the horse I was riding was basically just like a seven-year-old mare that just randomly was a heel horse. I started heading on. We had no money. We we're riding. Uh, we're both riding Walt at the rodeos and we're doing good in the rodeos because he was just that good a horse. I mean, he, you know, he, my brother was 20, you know, 20 years old. He, my brother, funny story about him is everybody, he never rodeoed before. He'd only circuit rodeoed his first crack out. He made it. I mean, he hadn't been out of the state of Montana and he made it. So we were just all, it was looking back. It was kind of one of the funnest times. We're all green. I'd rodeoed a little bit. So I kind of knew how to enter us and I paid attention. I didn't know anything when I started, and so I kind of led the group as far as my brother roped with uh, my brother-in-law now uh, the first year, Matt Robertson, and I roped with Twistle. We, we kind of all went together. I entered us and stuff. and so. Uh, but anyways, long story, I was at the wildfire. I broke the barrier. I second high man back, broke the barrier there. And then from there, the wildfire, we drove straight to Tucson pretty much. That's how it was set up that year. And I broke the barrier again. I was fourth back at Tucson and broke the barrier to probably win both of them because I drew lopers on the last one. And I wasn't even a break. I never broke the barrier. I broke the barrier more now than I did back then. I broke the barrier back to back. And so I needed the money would have been huge back then. So I, those were two big ropings, but I, had, I hadn't won anything big. And in fact, the first big rope I ever won was the BFI in uh, 05. But they didn't really have it. They aren't like they are now. Like, there's so many ropings now. that the, Back then, it was U.S. Finals. The wildfire wasn't even the wildfire yet. Um, it was, but it wasn't big yet. Like, I think it paid 15000 maybe the year uh, I broke the barrier. And then, like, the Tucson roping, I don't know. I'd hate to say what it paid, but I'm going to guess. It was decent. I'm going to say it paid 10000 but I could be wrong, which was big for back then, but nothing like they are now. Right. So it was just basically just kind of cracked out, started rodeoing, and it just went good. Was that? In- well, no, I rodeoed in '99. Um, uh, I roped with Nick Sarche uh, for like the first half of the year, and I roped with Clay Cooper the second half, and I did terrible. I didn't make the NFR. I finished like twentieth. Um, you know, I had the you know legend seven-time world champ, which I wasn't ready for. Um, it, uh, you know, it was just lot, you know, I went to a hundred, I seen the, you know, how you keep, uh, we're, you know, cleaning our house out or whatever. You find old papers. And I, I went to a hundred and eight rodeos in 99 and flew one time. <laughs> so my horse lasted basically one year. Right. Um, and I was just tired. I, I can't tell you how tired I was. And I, I wore my horse out. I, I didn't rope very good for Clay Cooper because we should have probably met. We won the first rodeo we entered, Deadwood, won it. They didn't even team rope at Cheyenne back then. Um, so we, we won that rodeo. I thought, I'm going to be rich the rest of my life now. And then it just went bad. My head horse kind of got sore and crippled, and I had to borrow my brother's. He had an okay one, not as good as mine. And mine was just, you know, we didn't even know of injections back then. I'm just butting him so much to get by him. I don't even know what's wrong with him. I bet if I can inject it, his front feet, he'd been good to go. But we didn't even do it back then. So it was just like he's limping around one day, next day he's not. 
And so that was just trying to get through the year. But, you know, 108, I had a two-horse trailer that I won, a single-cab Dodge with a camper that I had another camper that I traded a guy for for a smaller one, and that's how we did it. But uh, I have a schedule. I don't even know if I could go through it, but of what we did one week. You want the schedule? Uh, if, I can re- if I can remember it, I'll start it. So I might add in, so keep track to write this down. And this is when I was like, I wasn't ready for this. Like you're in shape for it sometimes when you're older, but this schedule I tell people is like, so I'd never been in humidity like this, but Dodge City, my truck broke. I didn't have air conditioning in my camp. So even plugged in, I had a fan. So Dodge City can be hotter than Young Love in August. Well, I just had a camper. I'm baking. So I would basically just go to the movies all day long. And back then, we just, Dodge City, it's back-to-back now, but back then it seemed like we would, there was a bunch more around Kansas, still is, but there was even more where we kind of based ourselves out of Dodge City, and we'd go to a rodeo that night, come back to Dodge City. It seemed like all week I was in Dodge City. I'd just go to a movie theater, pay for one movie, and just sit there all day because I couldn't stand to be in my camper. But anyway, so we made the short go at Dodge City, drove all night to Lovington because Slack was the next morning. From Lovington, drove to Colorado Springs, up there um, from Colorado Springs. Now, I'm not going to give you the days and nights because I can't really remember of them, but some of them were two in a day. From Colorado Springs, drove to Torrington, Wyoming. Drove to Yuma, Colorado. Yuma, we drove back to... Uh, I want we, we drove to Lawton, Oklahoma. From Lawton, Oklahoma. I don't know if we went back to Levington in there too. We might have went to Levington, to Lawton, to Lamar, Colorado, to Keensburg, Colorado, back to Colorado Springs, to Castle Rock, to uh, Nampa, or to Caldwell, all in one week. And I don't, and there, I might have missed one in there too. Um, and that's what I mean, man, that just was wearing me out. That's how they used to do it back then. It, it wasn't, it wasn't fun. And that's where when kids want 100 rodeos and they say 100 rodeos, do you? Yeah. And I don't know who tells them it was great because it wasn't. Right. And I lived it and I did it for like maybe four years. I mean, it was like I said, my horse lasted one year and he was good, but just basically ruined him in one year. Oh, it's pretty easy to see. Even like last year, there'd be 65 rodeos and you'll see kids that are just starting to, to get out there. And by the, uh, after the 4th of July, maybe, you know, even before the 24th rodeos, they're like, man, I'm tired. Yeah. Do what I did that week. I feel like I missed a rodeo, but somewhere in there but it felt like i drove all night or all day for about eight or ten days straight like it was just and i was 20 years old and i was out of shape for it i don't know it was, it was rough so around that time um 20 years old that's that's the year you wrote with clay mm-hmm. and weren't ready for it i wasn't ready for it no what was that like going into it were, were you did you think you're ready or were you nervous or did did you feel prepared or how did how did you think about it going into it and then at the end of it too. Well, I think I was just too dumb to know anything. Um, I had a good just off, you know, looking back nowadays, there's kids everywhere that enter. They all know each other. Back then there was no kids that entered. I was like the only one. I mean, there was no one hardly my age that even hardly roped. And, uh, so I had no cell phone. I have no, no really learning. I'm just kind of out there by myself trying to figure it out, you know? Um, I was roping with Nick Sarche and Clay called me to rope. And so I did it. Um, you know, he's a seven-time champ, which I must have been, you know, looking back, I must have been the kid that was heading pretty good. 
and he'd been out for a while. He hadn't been rodeoing. And so maybe, I mean, I'm sure he asked a bunch of guys, but maybe, you know, it's a weird time of year. And, uh, you know, maybe I was supposed to be the next best thing or whatever. I, you know, I don't know what people talk about back then. I wasn't talking to no one because I didn't really know anyone. And I was, I guess, young and dumb. And, uh, but I wasn't ready. I had it good for Nick, I felt like, but, um, I don't know, just not even the pressure, just a little bit, you know, wanting to do good for him, just trying too hard in a way. If I'd have just did like I was doing before, I think I'd have been good to go. And, uh, I don't know, just, just didn't rope that good, which honestly probably was the best thing ever for me in a weird way. Like that, that failing, because I went with clay, didn't do good. Like I said, won the first rodeo we ever went to. Uh, didn't rope good, rope decent at the end of the year, but it was almost too late. Rodeos don't pay like they do now. Like, I mean, back then it was a thousand nine hundred a time. You had to win a lot. You know, there was, right. it's hard to get Reno paid good. There was a few big hits, but a lot of it was just grinded out. The, it was probably the best thing for me. Um, overall not doing good with clay. Cause he was, you know, when you get the legend, the known as the best healer of all time, which he was already known as that when I started roping with him and you don't do good with him, I go from him to, um, no one wanting to rope with me the next year. And so, um, it was kind of humbling. Um, I didn't do very good the next winter rodeo. And so basically then I just quit. I, I went to a few winter rodeos, went to, you know, Houston and, uh, all the, you know, all the big winter rodeos I got into, it didn't do any good. And then I went home and just circuit rodeoed, uh, the rest of the year. And, um, that, that's actually where I got good. I felt like started getting to practice, got to work on stuff I needed to work on. And got better because you know once you start rodeoing you've rodeoed a lot you don't really get to practice a whole lot and so i kind of got to go home got to go to circuit rodeos where they weren't as tough and kind of you know get to work on it during the week and then go try it out during the weekend and that's where i felt like i got good enough to you know when i come back you know i knew i felt like i was good enough to make the nfr right it's funny about that though because we don't really want to get we don't want to lose ever but the losing sometimes the big big losses like for you, I'm, I'm sure it's been a long time now, but that was probably devastating having, I mean, the greatest healer of that time and then to not be successful. At the end of that summer, it has to be really, really rough to me. And then, you know, to, to take that and be able to go home and refine and like, hey, this is to, to kind of push through like, hey, this is what I need to work on. This is where I need to improve. Really that, do you think that's probably one of the moments that maybe sets you up for the, the rest of your career? Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, you don't know it at the time. I mean, you're just like you are. You're devastated that you you know you question if you're good enough. And I mean, until you you know, start doing good, you don't. No one really knows. You think you got it, but you don't know. But yeah, just like I said, sometimes like you said, you think you learn more from failures than success because um, you kind of kind of dig deep and you know figure out. I think the one thing that helped me is just my whole life. I was always so competitive at everything. I don't know why I just, I must've come out that way. I was sports. I mean, basketball, football, baseball, whether I was good or not, I wanted to win at all costs. And I just kind of, you know, I guess that what, you know, carried over to roping too. So I just, you know, lose sleep at night trying to figure it out. What do I need to work on? You know, how can I ride my horse better? Why does this guy, you know, why does he always get a good go with the steer? And why does this guy never miss? And just, you know, why do I miss? Why is my horse ducking? You know, all the little stuff like that. How can I get better? And, you know, when I was younger and even to this day, still the same, same thing. I feel like you're a little smarter now. The older you get, you kind of see stuff maybe a little quicker. But 
But like that back, like I said, back then it was tough. There was no X factor roping. Right. There was no, you know, like my kids, we were, you know, it just random that, you know, I was coming today. They didn't even know I was coming here today. And they're, they watch your YouTube videos all the time. They were just shown on the big TV, you know, cause there's no sports on TV. So basically there's no TV for me. And we're watching, I don't know, it was round one or somewhere on YouTube, you know, they're just, so they're getting to see how it's done right. Versus when I was a kid there, that's why kids, I think are so much better now at such a young age. Oh, I, I totally agree. I, Cause I, I mean, I'll just watch little things. I remember right when I was kind of getting going, I would pick up on little things and you're like, you'd watch a run so many times and then you just try to emulate that in your mind and you just be a real clear picture of what you want to work on but hey uh the website we uh we got a new design with it so it's like uh netflix so oh. for example with all these ropings I'll, I'll get the boys hooked up with yeah. the membership so, you need so now you can just you plug need... it in and watch like the full full, full rope yeah yeah so it's really cool so yeah awesome right now while we're quarantined we'll we'll make sure we'll make sure <laughs> it's the boys a good got time man it's a good time all right i i have this this theory about you're heading, and I, I want you to tell me what you think. You you rode Walt a lot, right? Yeah, at the beginning, first uh, two years I rode it, I rode him a lot. So that horse, to me, what made him so special? It was the same trip every time. He he really didn't duck. He I mean he it was just whatever you did. He kind of yeah. was he was so true, right? Yeah. Is that what made him so great? Yeah, I you know what I see. I had a decent horse um, when I first. Uh, my dad was always pretty good. We didn't always, I didn't always have a good one when I was a kid, when I was probably, I think I was probably 12 years old, 13 years old. Um, he bought this bay mare for us. Her name was sugar. And, um, the guy he was roping with at the time was supposed to come try her. Didn't show up. He just rides her instead. And is like, buys her. I think he gave 4,500 for her. Well, in 1991, 4,500 was a lot. My dad was a healer. He didn't head. He just bought it for us. Right. And me and my brother both rode it. And uh, she was built good. We're way, I mean, so much better than we were ready for. Like too much horse for a little while. And so then I went from that horse to, then when I first started rodeo and I bought a horse that was decent. And everybody, and every, you know, the new kid with the good horse, everybody thinks everybody's trying to buy him off me when I first start. And he was decent, but I'd already rode her. And she, I think she was just as good or better than this one and I knew that and then there's two horses and then so I'd rodeo a full year before Travis had went so I'd rodeo maybe a year and a half and then before Travis got that horse and there's two horses that come to mind the first time I ever seen him go I was like oh my gosh it was that horse that uh Matt Tyler ended up with that Chad Saunders had uh, Conoco I don't know if what he called him they called him Eddie maybe I don't know what Chad called him but that horse going and then when my brother rode Walt at an amateur rodeo in Montana, I want to say the box is, I could be wrong on the measurements, but it's long. Like maybe a 20-foot box, 22-foot score. Right. That's long. It's like That's amateur rodeo. That's not even pro. That's long. And this horse run, like, I mean, I was like, damn. I mean, they, they, horses just aren't like that. And that other horse was like that too. And so uh, I knew he was going to be good. And I remember uh, – funny story about him we uh he was green never been you know he just been rode by a you know guy that was good with horses but he didn't rodeo on him or nothing and we rode him at denver and uh somebody said to me what's that piece of crap you guys are riding and i said man this might end up being just kind of being a little smart ass i said this might end up being the best horse of all time and i was more right than wrong yeah 
And I already knew because when you ride one that good, you're like, you just know. Like the, that's like what do the first time I ever run a steer on him, the first steer I'm like they, the horses aren't like this. You know he was nine or ten years old and it was just unbelievable how hard he tried and how good he worked. You just know and Walt was Walt was like that too. It was just it's just a different level. Well, to me, I, I think this, there's horses that can teach you how to win and what a good one should feel like. And the earlier you can get on them at a younger age and then understand how to keep them working, like what you had to do, I think that when you do get those horses, like do, it, it makes it where you can make them. I do. I do think it sets you up. It's kind of the way you learn to rope now, but I think that's been tough for me the older I got because it's gotten so fast. Because back in the day, I would be like, when I started riding Thumper, he was a little the same way too. Thumper was a little odd because he was like my wife rode him, a bunch of kids rode him, her her mom, the whole family had rode him, and he was a heel horse and a head horse, and they just kind of all used him, and he he just didn't quite give it his all, but he always worked good. And then, so he kind of got better just the more I rode him, but he, I think he had it in him. Um, so it was a little later process, like I, I guess, but yeah, it shows you that there, if you are riding a piece of junk, that there's better out there and you need to go find it. But nowadays guys win on pieces of junk. I think just they use their rope so good. So it's changed. But back then, if you had a good horse, I never broke the Baron Walton. So it felt like I never missed hardly. Like I just turned every steer. Right. I wouldn't even have to reach or nothing. Just let him do the work, and it was good enough all the time. Well, to kind of to go back to that that work ethic and develop and really work on your roping, um, there's a couple things that jump out to me about your heading. Everyone has for a while, whenever they want to, whenever they talk about your heading, it's this rope on the gain headshot that you have basically developed throughout the years. When did that really start to come into play? Was that Walt that was teaching you that? Or do you think that was a little closer to when you you know, maybe like had do? Or I'm not real sure. Yeah, I don't really know either. I felt like I was the only guy that could do it good for a while. Now I feel like everybody does it. I mean, I think that's what's changed with rope. And I felt like for a while I was the only guy that was really good at it. There was probably a few others, but. I, I don't think there's anyone good at it now. Well, there but. is. There's a lot of guys that are good at it now, but there there wasn't for a while there was a spot there you know or it seemed like when roping for a while there everybody run close so they reached and i was just kind of right in the middle ground turned a lot of them it's still fast if you do it right uh and it was just good you know for regular season rodeoing and um you know doing good at the jackpots um but i, I don't know when I, I was pretty good on walt i mean we were just young. I mean, if we were been, if I'd have been a little older and had Walter, you know, Travis had so many good years on him. I mean, the first year I rode him, I rode him a lot. The first year is the only year I rode him a lot where I rode him. Right. Well, I went in the NFR like third, Yeah. you know, with Caleb, he was 20 years old and I'm 22. That, that doesn't happen nowadays. There, you won't have a 22 header and a 20 year old healer hardly go into the NFR third nowadays. And if they did, it's because they won 50,000 at one rodeo. We just did it grinding it out. Right. And, that doesn't happen. So you have, there's something there, you know, it was the horse and, you know, Caleb wrote good. I wrote good too, but we had, he had a good horse. I had a good horse. And I honestly think it was more the head horse than any of it, you know, cause I didn't rope near as good on anything else. And, uh, so yeah, the horse back then, the horse was everything. It seemed like, you know, for Charles or T woman had a good one or anybody. I mean, it was just a lot, the horse. Well, and I think heading back, even I think heading 10 years ago, or I, I don't know. I think when I first bought that black horse of mine that had so much run, 
it seemed like all the scores when you dropped, you just blew and you could go like kind of the one coil shot mm -hmm. and it won a lot. And now it's like, you don't want quite as much run and it's yeah yeah weird. a little slower doesn't hurt sometimes yeah. uh, being forced into reaching yeah because the horse i got now compared to all those he's honestly my probably my favorite rodeo horse i've ever had because he's not the he's not as fast as walter do was but yet you can reach and he's got enough to where just seems like a winner like he'll catch up if one runs and he lets you win on the slow one and kind of can reach run close just kind of he's tough i mean right so all right, so going back to this heading on the gain thing, yeah. when do you think that was? So when when did you like, hey, that this is my shot, this is when I have it down, or when did you try to like really work on that and refine that in the practice pen? Oh man, just felt like years, honestly, just going out there and you know, just back in the day, everybody would wave it off doing it. You know, they couldn't keep it on the horns, um, me included. You just keep trying it and trying it and trying it and figuring it out, getting your timing down. Felt like I don't really know if I ever got it, um, but certain horses are easier to do it on than others, you know. Um, but like I said, nowadays it's just changed. Like everything seemed like a slow process, and then all of a sudden, I, I swear when things changed now, it's like it's hard to tell back then because it's just more of a slow process. And then just sitting out when you're – 16 it seems like all these kids started rodeo and started reaching you know yeah that, and i don't even know if it's good roping now <laughs> it's just there's a lot of it there's a lot of teams i don't even like watching some of it i don't even want to sound like a curmudgeon but i mean i watched like livingston slack one year there's like 80 teams maybe seven eight good run i mean it's 70 misses and eight catches is what it feels like. It just ain't even good to watch to me, but that's the way roping is now. And if you're going to win, you're going to mess up. That's what I don't like about roping now. I feel like for a while there I could rope kind of, you know, I'm getting off track, but you could just not make any mistakes. It feels like I mess up all the time now, and it kind of feels like you have to take chances all the time. Uh, I, I totally agree. So Scoring, I've, all of it. it. And it didn't feel like that forever. It felt like, you know, for, you know, 10 years, if you just, you know, rode your horse good, didn't break the barrier. Now it feels like you need to be in the barrier. And if you want to win the jackpot, you better make some good runs. Yeah. And it, and it felt like, you know, when I was doing the best, it felt like if I got a lead, I'd just back off, catch, still win the rope. And now there'll be somebody two seconds behind you and they'll just throw at the barrier. And next thing you know, they're ahead of you if you just went and caught. And that's what's to me has changed the most. Right. There's a couple like dust and Agasqueza and there's guys that are doing it pretty consistent. Well, there's guys trying to copy him. They're not good at it. You know, he's good at it, but just copycats make it to where I really don't even know how they afford to do it, but they do it. And then they'll catch one out of a rodeo and they'll catch one out of six, one out of five. And you just hope it's not the day where you made a good run too. You know, that's the thing now there's everybody wants to be a, a squeeze. There's only one that's doing it that I think is good. You know, he, he's different. Yeah. It's he's just, different. It's um, just I'm probably missing deal. somebody. I, I there's um, lots of guys that rope good, but his, well, that's what I'm saying. He's his, the, he's the best at it. I'm not his games. Yeah. Exclusive drink. Yeah. What he, he, yeah, he doesn't go at the rodeos. He doesn't even go past 20 feet out of the box. No matter what, he just throws it every time. So there's guys that copy it. They're terrible at it, but they try to copy him and, He's not terrible at it, but they're trying to copy him. So they're just, you get a lot of copycats and that's why rodeo and that's why rodeo is so tough now is just, there's a bunch of guys trying, they're not good at it, but they catch one out of five. And if you get enough guys trying it, 
that just makes it tough. Well, yeah, I think that's what's gotten really interesting about the rodeos over the last... When we were videoing and kind of showing the highlights on X-Factor... You know, you know better than anyone. You videoed it all. Yeah, so I could tell you, without a doubt, if 10 teams went, it was probably a 30% catch um, percentage. That, that well, was pretty a, typical. At a two-head or like a one? At, at a one-header. One-header, yeah. Sometimes, and then sometimes, like a Livingston, it would be one out of 10. And and then still, 4-4 four, four might win last. You know, like that yeah. at a 10-money rodeo because only one out of 10 teams and a 100-teamer have to catch for the yeah. rodeo to just be nasty. So it's, Yeah, it's – yeah. And it's how you have to rope. It's just, to me, it's terrible watching. Um, well, it's it's it, real boring and then real exciting. Yeah, you're right. It is. You're right. You're right on you're that. Like, you're like, man, these team ropers suck. And then you'll watch, and, and, and then 50 teams will win, and you're like, man, 4-4 four, is winning fifth. Yeah, and then read the results when it's over, and you understand why all, yeah. every 100 teams, all 100 teams tried what they tried. Yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, it's it'll definitely play with your emotions when you're early and you miss one. You're like, oh, man, I think I just left a bunch of money in the ring. And then you didn't. Yeah. No. All right, so I heard that you would swing your rope in front of the mirror. To work on your swing is that true a mirror a little bit when i was younger when i was like a kid uh they uh so you don't have a girlfriend or yet or you know i'm a little older than my kids are now but so they had the old video cameras the you know the one over the shoulder what i would do is i would set it up on a barrel and i would rope the head dummy and so i'd say i'd make i don't even remember now probably 20 30 loops right then i would go watch it and then come back and do it again. And basically what I was doing is watching to see if I looked like some of the guys that I'd seen rope on TV, you right. know, Jake Barnes or T Wallman or speed probably was just coming along, you know, then I don't even know if he'd been, but just kind of whoever the best guys were, Dan green, I was trying to, you know, mimic some of the stuff they did. So I think, I mean, you have the best heading swing. Would you agree of all, of all the headers? you got the best swing. No, who no. of, Right now, maybe today, someone swings a headrope better, but over the last 20 years, who swung a headrope better? Well, I think I got a good swing, but I think... Well, it's hard to talk. It just talks when, like, in timing. Like, I'm always... My brain's always thinking today in how many good guy, sure. guys guys figured out heading back. Well, all right. Let me... let Because me, this is what I think. When I watch you swing a headrope... I thought Jake... But I thought Jake had a good swing. I thought uh, T. Woolman had a good swing. Sure, I, but... I thought uh, Matt Tyler had a pretty just smooth swing i think there's lots of those guys all swing ropes great and jake's probably the best example of i think he's probably one of the best headers all time but he could still reach and do a lot of stuff but your swing has been able to i think that's the reason why you can head on the game is it's such a a smooth swing that has great timing with your horse and what it's allowed you to do is as the ropings have gotten faster just like this sorrel horse you're riding now Mm -hmm. you'll go two coils maybe more now than you did two or three years ago yeah at a jackpot yeah and and so i'm just I, i'm kind of curious if you like how many times you have worked on your swing or to oh, get it constantly to this, to this point. i'm still changing i think i swing different now than i did five or six years ago if you watch back which i'm trying to on purpose um yeah that's i think the swing in anything heading or healing is a lot of it i mean it's a lot of how you throw i mean it's your swing kind of dictates if you're a reacher or a guy that runs close right but what's hard nowadays about explaining roping is there's no variety anymore. Everybody's the same. Have you noticed that? I mean, they're not all a squeeza, but no one's hardly no one hardly runs close. I watched your video last night. There, there it was round one of uh, I don't know what your open it was. It looked like it was Super Tuesday, maybe. No, it was uh, it was at Austin's. It might have been his May roping. Uh, oh, 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 the showdown. 
open the show. Show. I think it was because it was really bright out. Yeah. And yep. uh, so show. it didn't look like the winter time. But and then and I, we're watching it and I'm like, what what round is this? And yeah. the kids are like, it's round one. I know I went at mine pretty dang hard. Driggers threw he run two on there. It looked like he was going for the short go fast time. That was round one. The guys were throwing three uh Chase Thompson, for example. I think he threw three coils on the first one on a decent steer. Yeah. Like just that stuff never used to happen. So it's almost like you got to talk in generations of roping because when I, I love to talk back because it's kind of fun to do just when you've had a long career, you get to see a lot, but everything's changing so fast and so much. And the headers headers have taken it to a level that I did in the amount of guys that have done it. It's pretty impressive. I think the headers of there, uh, I don't know. The headers are good nowadays. They really are. I know healers are too. I mean, and that's what I think too. Um, you know, we're talking about how roping's getting tough. Well, when the headers get better and they and the healers get better and, and you can reach heading and handle them bad and they still catch, you keep trying it, you go faster, reach a little farther, they still catch them. Back then, no one caught them if you handled them bad like that. Right. And nowadays, these guys have figured it out how to catch them, and so I think it's just sped. Because back in the day, if you reached a long ways handling bad, your healer was missing, go on. Yep. Nowadays, that's what will win first, and there will be a bunch of guys that catch them. It's amazing how good these guys can heal, too. So it just speeds up the head and even more because you know, hey, they, they can handle this back there. Well, I think that's a really good example. Like the, the showdown, that, that time I remember the roping really well because I was just starting on out this bay horse. It was one of his – I rode him at California, and I come back, and he worked really good. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember the first year I, I drew moats. And I went and I went too early and I got out and we were short six and Austin ropes really fresh, strong steers. Yeah. And that's a, that's a good run. And we come back and we're six on, we were six on every steer mid to short six. And then I missed the barrier on one on a runner and I took him down and we were eight and we won like fourth in the roping. And you're like any time else or five years ago, it, w- it would it have been first f- it's first. Yeah. And, and that's, what's amazing now is like the guys are, there's, there's enough headers that can get you back into the roping and then what what i think's kind of odd now is it seemed like four or five years ago there wasn't maybe even a little bit longer but there was a couple guys that were really really heading well like there was but there's this top tier of headers well i think it was a, a just a different style you were trying to go for because you're not old enough probably to know this but there's always been guys trying like uh there's a guy he passed away but richard trailer he tried to, I mean, he wasn't as refined as a squeezer, like swing as fast and do it as pretty. But when he nodded, he started swinging, whether you're at lot in Oklahoma or the George Strait. I never seen him very much because he didn't go. But he, he threw at the barrier every single time he ever run a steer. Couldn't catch enough. There's always been guys reaching. They just never caught enough to make, right. make it to the NFR, you know. I don't think the barriers have gotten shorter. I think it's easier to score now, like the prefer shoots been a huge i mean when you there's a prefert shoot it's about a foot shorter than if there's any other kind of shoot they the prefert shoots score true to me it's just easy to get yeah. out of the barrier when yeah. there's a prefert shoot now if there's an old ww or you go to the random you know you go to filer idaho and they got their homemade shoot you're like that's scoring today <laughs> yeah there'll be barriers tons of barriers when they pull that out well when i first started that's what there was a lot of flat gates yeah a lot no of big yeah, everything plates, evolves like, i mean yeah. i don't want to be one of those guys like they're you know, in 20 years from now, the headers will be like, man, these guys are terrible. That's that's the way roping is. Right. That's the way every sport is, basketball, football. I mean, baseball. I mean, every reliever can throw 100. 
back in the day, there was only a couple that did it. Yeah. Starters throw 98 all game long, you know, so that every sport evolves to where it's different. But the how fast it's going now is unbelievable. How fast it got good, you know, over a few years. So you when you change your swing, how do you do that? Like, let's just say, hey, I want to tweak on something on my swing. What, what's your game plan on changing that? I just rope the dummy a lot. I'm kind of a dummy guy. I rope the dummy a lot in the summertime because I don't get to practice and just I'm old enough now that like if I feel a little off and I feel like I need to change something, I'll just rope the dummy enough and I feel like I can just go right to the rodeo and try it. Right. Uh, when I was younger, I probably couldn't do it. Now I probably can. You know, uh, it's just you reach farther back. Nowadays, it seems like you need to get your tip up more, your, your you know, your hand a little bit higher, just the, all the little stuff like that. Swing sooner. Um, you know, just just all the little stuff, how just just speed it up, any, any way to speed it up. You just rip the dummy till it feels right. Till that, yeah. Like you're like, okay, this is how my lip's yeah. supposed to hit. You know how you want it to hit, and I want it to feel. And yeah. when it's off, you know when it's off. Yeah. And then there's sometimes I was telling somebody the other day, you, you get in a groove to where you just, and it might be just one steer where you just feel like there's no way I'm missing. Right. And I don't even know. I mean, you've had it happen to you. Everybody's had it happen to you, but you're just like, man, I'm in a groove. I don't. I can, you could give me the worst steer. I'm turning back. It only happens to me like once or twice a year where. Last year for me, it was during uh, Ellensburg, and I was just, I don't know, for some reason, I just got in a groove on a few stairs. I'm like, no matter what, I'm turning him to win good money, and, you know, some, it ain't always like that. And then the next time, it'll be like, man, I, I hope this goes on. You know, you're just not as confident as you were before, but, yeah, I don't know. I, I like to rope the dummy. I still do. I mean, my, I mean, I rope in the, I rope it quite a bit, honestly. Right. Um, Probably more than I used to, but just. Just like to do it. Is that what's kind of changed over the years is uh, maybe less? Do you still run like 30, 40, 50 a day when you practice? Or how I've do you been do running that? a lot. Um, no, I probably run more now. Really? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if it's helping me. but Because uh, the older you get, you feel you feel a little bit more the next day. Well, when I was younger, I didn't own my own place. So I was just gone. like, well, going way back, the rodeo season started in January and ended in November. Right. So when you're a kid that doesn't own a place yet, it just felt like I was rodeo gone 12 months out of the year. Yeah. I mean, you, you know, the NFR, you know, in 01 or the year ends in November and the NFR starts beginning in December. I mean, and then you spend that month, maybe, you know, we used to go like the Laughlin US Open and then it feels like, hey, you practice two, three weeks, it's on. You know, the NFR happens, you have Christmas, you're back over there at Odessa again. And it just felt like it never ended. You just... And so then when I moved to Texas, I felt like is when I started, I mean, I practiced a lot. Don't get me wrong. It just, I was able to, you know, get more horses and just get my own setup the way I wanted it. Right. But I was 26 then too, but it was harder back then. Like I said, the season longer. I mean, everybody loves rodeo and I, you gotta be careful what you wish for. I, I did both. It was miserable back then. Like it really was like, you just never stopped. Right. But. Is that, did you, have you always loved roping? Is that just something like, or have you just loved competition and this is what like. Well, I, I don't know what drew me back to roping. Just growing up around it, like my mom run barrels and, you know, after me and my brother made the NFR, she made it four times. So I grew up around it. My dad made the NFR. So, no, I just played sports. I didn't even rope a lot until I was probably 15 years old. I mean, not, not that I wasn't around it and swung a rope good. Just didn't do it very much. And then I think what got me hooked is like, 
I was really good at all sports, but I was kind of little and I just, you know, I was really good at baseball. So, you know, making all-star teams and, um, you know, then Japanese sent a team over to play in Billings. Well, they took the best kids out of Billings, a hundred thousand people. It's not a little town. Well, I was one of the kids that got to go play. So I was, you know, and I lived out of Billings, but so I had to been decent, you know, but I wasn't growing. So I knew I probably wasn't going to make it. And I just always kind of always drawn back to roping, you know, going to the circuit rodeos with my dad or mom and, uh, you know, circuit finals or whatever. I just liked it. And then just started roping, got decent at it. Won a big check one fall at a roping. And I just like, then I just basically quit sports and just wanted to, you know, start going jackpots probably every other weekend up there in Montana in the wintertime and just start doing it that way. And have you felt like you've always, that's been how you've made your living roping? Like every year, has that been the number one deal? Or was there a point in the roping where like, hey, it just, it doesn't pay for itself or you had to do other things to kind of make it work? Or has it always just kind of been able to pay for itself? Well, since 2000, probably. I mean, I didn't have any money when I started. Everybody says you got to have money to make it rope and I had nothing. So that's not true. Um, yeah, no, it's been roping for me. I mean, I had some odd jobs when I was like, uh, you know, in high school, your parents are taking care of you, whatever or you're not paying for. And I just rope enough around, you know, like a kid to have a little bit of money or, you know, enough to buy a $3,500 horse or something like that. And then, you know, amateur rodeo around. And then I got, well, I was broke the after, like I rodeoed, I just basically broke even or, I don't probably lost money the first year I went that I finished. I think I finished 21st in 99. So then I was pretty broke going to the next winter. Didn't do any good flat broke. So then I got a few jobs. And then when I came back since pretty much, I don't know, end of 2000, 2001, I've been just roping, roping for it. Right. And but I made the NFR every time, but twi- I didn't make it once. And then the other year I didn't go. So I've just kind of done it for a living. Yeah. Yeah. You've, you've been pretty, pretty fortunate with the, the qualifications. That's a lot. But that's a lot in a row. Or to lot. get rich off it. I didn't really start making a lot of money until I started these big ropings, you know, winning the George Strait, you know, the BFI. I mean, the BFI in 08 paid 72,000. It pays 60 now. Right. So like I actually won more money. I think the heyday of ropings was like the middle of 2000s till maybe. Because the U.S. Finals paid fifty thousand. Yep. Um, wildfire paid fifty thousand. Uh, but they were really front end loaded. Th- they were, but I was winning first. Yes. So it was really good for you. It was good, but it was still it was good because it was front loaded. But second was twenty. Nowadays we can't hardly get one to pay twenty. Right. You know what I mean? Or twenty five. I, I don't know. The U.S. Finals was good for a while, or you know, a few years there. I won a couple years in a row when it was good. And uh, the prelim was good. Like one year, I won first, second in the prelim, and won the US, the shootout, and won like sixty six thousand. Right. And it doesn't even seem like you can hardly win that now. So there's more ropens that are better, but there's too many ropens now. I think nowadays they're Just, they're ruining it. But everybody figures out you can make thousand bucks if you put it on, and there's just open guys just keep going. But basically, all it is is the same ten guys. Yeah, there, there's a lot of money being traded around. That's what it seems like to me. That doesn't seem like uh, the, the. I don't like it as much. I and I, I used to, and the reason I say this is because, like you said, you can only you can only say this stuff when you've done it a long time and you've seen both ways of it. Right. And I used to write down like oh seven. I I quit doing it, but I used to write down everything I spent and everything I won. I don't even know why. And then I got thinking, I don't even want to know. Well, I started doing it this year, just curiosity. Well, I found digging up stuff, found old paper in oh seven crap i've i've went to like 26 jackpots this year already right 
I didn't go to 26 jackpots all year in 2007. That's crazy. Yeah. I've already been to that many. <laughs> and so, but I think it's killing roping because there's just, there's just not as many. What I don't like about roping nowadays is they make them inner four times 200 a man. That's just for the producer to make money. Right. It's not for the guys roping. Everybody says, I love how people are putting them on. They're like, we're doing it for you guys. There's a few that are doing it for you guys. The rest are, they're doing it to make money. So, yeah. And I get it. I just don't say you're doing it for us because it's not true. Well, I think there's a balance because there's not enough open ropers to, to make producers money. So they've either got to figure out how to make the, the team count high enough where they can pay for because open ropers want better steers. They're, they catch the steers a little bit more. So they've got to either get those for the lower yeah. number guys, like where they're either roped down ready for them. But, well, that's kind of what they do. You can't start a steer out and put him in the yeah. eight. Sure. I don't want my kids roping the steers that we rope in the opens. Yeah, but there's a balance. See, when you make it inner four times, 200 a man, the roping's going to be dirty tough. Yeah, I'm not going. Yeah, you're going to wear your head horse out. If you're if you're a smart header at all that has a good horse, you're not taking him over there. Right. Uh, and the roping's going to pay 3000 and it, believe me, it'll be the toughest roping you'll ever be a part of. So you don't get the kid that is trying to learn. He knows better than probably go. And so you just get a bunch of guys that go to everything now that have 800 in a roping that pays 3000 if you win first, you clear 2,200. That doesn't, and it'd be better to me. My theory is make it go twice, 200 a man, maybe get a few less teams, but maybe build the team count back up. Yeah. I'm, Not as tough. Don't ruin your horse, but that's the producers. They just care about numbers. And, and that's, and I'm old enough to say it. And I don't care what people think. That's just the truth. And I know how they think. And so it's not even a good deal for anyone involved in my opinion, but it's good for the producer. He makes more money. Well, I I think for me as an open roper, I love once or twice. Because, yeah, I do too. Um, if you get three runs, it's tough to beat. Well, you. everybody gets three runs, and it's just you can mess up a lot, mess up, mess up, mess up, and still win it. Yeah, I think that's the other thing that's kind of interesting when you go to those ropings that are in a once or twice. Um, when you don't have that second run in your back pocket, yeah, you don't rope as fast. Yep, you it slows just, down. Yeah, and so your mindset has has slowed a lot. Yeah. You told me one time you when you're looking for your healers, you want them to be a dog. What you know, you want them to have some dog in them. Yeah. And when you're looking for partners, what what does that mean? Well, when you're looking for a partner and he's a dog, what what does that mean? Well, you just talk to some people and you just know they got it. Some people just don't. And uh, I I get almost it's hard when you're real young because you don't know your personality yet. But I mean, you you get around people that are a little older, you know why they win and know why they don't. Right. And, Jade wants to win, knows how to win. Yeah. You know, TG, he, he wants to win. He's been doing it since he's been a kid. I mean, there's a lot of these guys, the junior, he looks like he has some fight in him. You know, a lot of these young guys, they, you know, and some don't. And you got to, I just think you got to be, want to be better than the next guy. And nowadays our gen generations are soft and they don't want to think that way, but the good guys do. I, I, and, uh, I agree. Just got to want it. Some people have it in them, some people don't. Personality matters a lot, I think. You know, and, uh, sometimes like, like I say, you have a little dog in you it means you want to battle through the tough times. Cause everybody's going to rope terrible for a while. Right. And just battle through it, figure it out and get better. And like I said, it's tough to do, but that's, that's what you got to do. Kind of goes back to what you said right at the beginning. Um, the losing that the losing's really got to bother them to the point where they want to figure out how to win or. Yeah. Oh yeah, it does. It does me. I, but I do think there's a point to where it's bothered me too much. I mean. 
got to enjoy your life some too. And I've swell, I've think sometimes I've just not enjoyed my life just cause I've been so focused, you know, never let down, never let down. I mean, just grind it out. I don't know. You know, I, I don't want to change much about my roping career. It's been good enough. Um, but I, it, it would be better to enjoy. Like I said, I'd want my kids to enjoy it more. Right. So if you're looking for a partner that has some dog to them and, and I'm just thinking for young kids, mm-hmm. like, Hey, if you would, if you could give them some advice on how to, how to be a dog, <laughs> I don't know how to do that. I, well, cause it's funny when you get kids, you, they all got different personalities. And so they're, my youngest is probably the most like how I was when I was younger. Right. He's only five years old, but if, if things don't go his way at wiffle ball, he's, pissed. he's upset Yeah, beside himself. It ruined his day. And I was a little like that. My other two aren't really like that. So you just see different. I don't know why he's like these five. You're like, Hey, knock it off. You know, quit, you know, but he just, he's that way at every sport. If it doesn't go his way, he's, but he will try hard. I mean, that kid will go. Yeah. He won't, you can't get him to take the garbage out, but if it has to do with shooting a basketball or roping the down, I mean, all day long. I mean, never stops. Right. Take the garbage out. No, I can't do it. But if he's got, you know, if he's, we're playing wiffle ball or baseball or football, he will go roping the dummy with the other ones just nonstop. So I don't know. I think it's everybody's different. The other two have their different, different personalities, you know? So just kind of that be able to sit there. I think you got to be who you are, but I think if, if losing doesn't bother you a little bit, it's going to be tough to get really good. Right. Just my opinion. Well, and I think what it is, is you got to be able to go work. Uh, and I think that's what's probably, I think it's the most interesting to me right now is I, I think there's a lot of guys that head really, really good. Um, right now it's, it's changed yeah. with like how the guys yeah. can reach, but healing, it doesn't seem like there's as many healers as there were five or 10 years ago that like, were just these, it just seemed like there was a group of headers that rope great. And then there was a ton of healers. Like if you give them any of those headers yeah. and it doesn't seem like that to me now is, does, is uh, do you, you think might, that you might be right? I, well, heading, I, I'll just speak for heading, heading. If you don't try your hardest right now, you have no chance. Right. And maybe healing just ain't that way right now. I don't know. I don't heal. So I don't really know. There, there's some good guys, but, um, but heading right now, for sure, if you're not giving, you're all looking for horses or trying, I mean, you have no chance. And healing, healing the horse deals, the, the the biggest advantage to healing is the horses. Easier to find, cheaper, right. don't need as good a horse. Um, heading, it's always going to be a problem. Always has been a problem and always going to be a problem. I'm not saying a healer doesn't need a great horse because they do. It's just way harder heading. If you could give advice to like a, a young header, especially on keeping their horses career longer and keeping them horses working that you've learned, what would you give them? Uh, don't enter four times for 50 a man. Stay away from that on your good one. You know, right. If you, um, if you put the good horse up, if you're getting him out, you want to be able to, you got to save the good one for good stuff. Right. Um, keep the cream on the top, you know, don't, don't wear the tread off the tires. So I would say save him for the good stuff. Um, I'm sure everybody has a different theory. That's just what I think. Right. Try to use the good ones when it really matters. Yeah. So the Mike survey the other day, mm-hmm. why is it that, you know, that, that's what's so funny to me about your heading. Um, man, I, I, you're absolute gamer everywhere, but they say that rope and anyone has a chance. It's tail, what, tail by the end of the gate or it is, it is pretty long tail by the pin or yeah, something. Well, it's, yeah. 
and 17 foot box. So you got to run them down maybe yeah. one or two fives in the first round. What, what did you win at that rope in the other day? What do you mean? What place? Yeah. You won. Yeah. I won first and second, but, and then, uh, you and Petska were, had a pretty good chance for him. Yeah. And like, so you, I mean, really probably had a chance to win first through third at that rope. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was good on three with three guys, Yeah, but I thought the rope was, I was up early with Petska and the rope was pretty tight. And I mean, they only pay what five monies, probably. Yeah, six monies, hundred eighty teams. Was it six like, monies? Yeah, something like that. Six five, money. six well, monies. Well, I knew Riley Miner was good on a couple, and he's got that horse. That's yeah, he's bought. got a good, the best horse, especially for stuff like that. He's got the best one. Right. Um, I had a couple faster than Petskin. We were early, and I figured if I just caught, Steer was kind of going the right. I probably I was a little out of whack, and I threw it. I shouldn't have, but I need. I felt like I needed to at the time. As it turned out, I probably didn't need to. Right. But and then the rope fell apart a little bit, which they do sometimes, and that's just strictly because everybody knows how fast everybody is. And twenty eight, what did twenty eight? What twenty nine was a cut or something on four or thirty? Yeah, yeah, that's what's crazy. So that's seven and a half a run, and and it's tough in that first round, especially. Yeah, yeah, the first round. See, and that drew good. Like some of these days, like you, uh, like me and uh, Chase, we uh, we drew good in round one. Me and Jake Long didn't draw as good, but we roped a good roping. And right. that was good enough for second. Probably if everybody catches, it's more like a fourth place. What we because I didn't feel like we had very our short row steer loped, and the other four tried just enough. You know, me and Chase drew better. So, so my point with this is that's a rope and where you clearly had a great, great chance to win a lot of money and didn't. Mm-hmm. And that's the toughest on horses right there. That is, yeah. it's like the BFI. Yeah, it's tough. It is tough on them. Uh, Rena Sandy gets yeah. a little bit deep. Yeah, they try to keep it packed but it's tough it's tough and uh you can go to a short scored inside building the next day if you want on that yeah. horse why do you think it is that you can be so competitive at, at both of those setups those long scores short scores what did what is it about a header that that you you know your game plan or what what makes you think well i think that? a good horse just like we talked about riley's i think a good horse is just good everywhere right i mean he's gonna Nod and go if you need him, nod and go, and he's going to see tail around the end of the gate if you need to see tail around the end of the gate. And that's what makes a great horse. And if you got a horse that's mediocre, it doesn't really work that way. You would need the you'd need the ropens in that. If you're on a mediocre horse that doesn't score very good, you need the long score open before the short score open. Right. You know, if you have the short score open first, it's not as good usually for you. I got you. So the ERA, when you sat out that year, mm-hmm. uh, I kind of got to experience it and watch. That was kind of – I think that was the first year like Cody Snow made the NFR mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and there was a few young headers. And mm-hmm. what I saw was te- you took away a few of the top headers mm-hmm. that stayed home because mm-hmm. of that. And those guys just got confidence mm-hmm. and they come back those next from now on and they have stayed mm-hmm. very, very competitive. Yeah. Do you think there's a lot to that? Like when you start winning, it teaches you how, like you almost, almost definitely learn how to win. Well, you say the survey I won first, second the other day. Well, San Antonio's going on. There was about five good headers that weren't there. Right. And anybody that says that don't matter is dumb. Because I agree. I'm the one that won the roping first and second, and I'm the guy that's telling you it's not that easy to do if everyone's there, and that's why it's dumb. So anybody that say that the guys at the ERA at the time, you know, I just come off going in the lead three times in a row. Trevor was winning back then. Um, Begay was winning back then. And I don't know who else there was, but for sure us three were doing pretty good back then. Um, 
when you take those guys out every time, I mean, that's who wins all the money during the year. So yeah, it does matter. It, it, uh, 16 to me doesn't even count because they kicked us out. We didn't quit. Basically got kicked out. So yeah, 16 is irrelevant to me, but I'm glad I did. I liked it. It made it to where this doesn't even bother me sitting out. I mean, we sat out. I did it four years ago. So this little weird virus thing, it's just life. Move on. Right. Right. Uh, that's what I think so funny about it, though, is what what happens when you give Cody Snow some confidence, and you kind of let him put some money together, and let a let a guy that was essentially that has a really strong work ethic, and because it's like now that kid's a he's a he's a monster. <laughs> yeah, say. no, he has really good. I like Snow a lot. Um, I like his style too. Um, yeah, I think he he'd have did it regardless. Sure, he's got some dog. He has try. He wants it, and so. There's some guys though that probably helped along the way. I don't even know. I didn't even keep. Tra- I didn't even follow it, so I don't even know. Right. Um. Who did what? But yes. No. Yeah. It it does help. I'm just saying, not even that scenario, but I'm just saying a roping that, like I said, a huge roping that a few guys are missing. It just matters. So what about the confidence side? You, you know, we talked a little bit earlier, and you said it feels like there's times where you're not gonna. It's it's going on the horns. You're turning for money. Mm-hmm. There's been times where it's tough, and you feel like you need to tweak something on your swing. Mm-hmm. Does that mess with your confidence or? Oh yeah. Yeah. I I don't really know the answer to that one. I mean, I, cause I'm just, you're, everybody's human. The only thing I don't, I don't really get that nervous. I heard people get nervous. I don't really ever, you know, it's just roping in life. I mean, when you really break it down, it's just, just kind of what you do. Don't overthink it, but yeah, confidence that when you're feeling it or things are, you know, people call it being in the zone. It's just pretty easy. I, I don't know why you just, things are happening slower for you. And then, than maybe everyone else, but when, when it stuff's going fast and it's kind of a blur and you're trying to guess scoring, that's just seems like when you mess up, but when you're just confident. You're just seeing everything perfectly. And I don't even, I don't know how to get there. It's just, it's fun when you do. Right. Will you try to focus on something different or in the box? Like for example, when you're riding in or is there a feel like you kind of know like, Hey, I want my swing to be here. Or, or do you just kind of keep it pretty clear? Just stay focused on the score and um, yeah, there's certain times, like I said, I think all that you just said, um, but yeah, usually it's just getting a good start for me. That's kind of the key probably is for everyone. I mean, reachers may be a little different. Their uh, score a little different. Some of them, they kind of leave early going slow, which isn't really my style. It's hard for me to do. Um, but yeah, I just, yeah. I mean, I think about all of it a lot. I mean, we drive a lot, man. Right. So I'm trying to think it, what I think about, it, I think, think, uh, a lot about it really probably i don't know like i said yeah those are good questions i mean i I said i think about all of it all the time so it's hard to say just when i'm backed in there what i'm what i'm thinking it's different probably every time but scoring is every time you know right and uh one thing about you you're you're confident probably you'd say you've always been a pretty confident person Yeah, not as confident as everybody thinks but do you kind of like is that something you try to do is like kind of talk yourself into that or how do you think confidence comes from i don't talk at ropens and I'm pretty witty, so, and I like, be, I've always kind of been that way. So if somebody says something smart to me, I got an answer. People think that is arrogant or cocky. It's just, it's just fun for me to do. Uh, me not talking to Ropens is just a straight, like the other day I was like, I talk too much at Ropens. I'm tired of talking, done talking. And I actually start head better again. Just like, I, I just like to stay focused, stay in my little low zone. And I don't, I don't want to talk all for the, do the, we could talk after the Ropen or before the Ropen. Let's just not talk during it. Right. And I need to get back to that. It's one thing I've kind of lost focus on a little bit. Just kind of be too chatty at the roping and 
just ah, man i don't really there ain't much just, none of it's important anyway so just focus on right try to try yeah, to lock I mean, it I mean, in yeah yeah just lock in for you know the two to five hours or however long the roping lasts and you know i did that survey good and i need to start doing it a lot more i mean survey i didn't even watch the rope and i just roped and i had 180 teams so it took 10 hours it felt like to run it so i mean i went back to my trailer and sat i could hear the times and that's all i was listening to right just tried to make sure your game plan was good and just kind yeah, of stay I didn't focused talk to on no one. yeah yeah and that's just kind of me personally some people like to talk coleman he talks nonstop, but i think that's what he feels comfortable doing right so he's talking in the box and talking to his healer if i'm doing that i'm not paying attention that's maybe how he pays attention so i think everyone's different you got to do what's comfortable for you i right. don't know which way is right or wrong i don't think there is one just whatever you, you do best but i think confidence is gained from just getting good enough sure you know everybody says experience you need experience this that experience for me is just being good enough right once you're good enough it doesn't experience is out the window we're all you know you're just backed into a box no matter where you're at you got to see a start and make a run it doesn't matter where you're at it's the same deal so i think it's just getting good enough speaking of experience um i think this shows this was the one i was like i couldn't believe you could even pull this off was is last year at the lone star shootout um i think it was with jade you guys won the rope and i'm pretty sure it was with jade in the short round you drew that steer that kind of loped it was just a little bit slower than everything else mm -hmm. and you i thought you left early mm -hmm. and it was obvious you were going to break the barrier to me and most headers i i break the barrier on him and I don't know exactly how you do it, but you kind of pull your horse to the pin just a little bit more and coast him to mm -hmm. the pin. Yeah. Blow it out, spin him, win the rope. Yeah. What? How? <laughs> well, I think that that's just some of it's the horse. Like I've, I've had a few that you could do that on. I've had some you couldn't do that on. Right. Uh, the, my, the, the Bay dude that I used to ride all the time, he was like that in his prime. He he was he don't do it as good anymore. But you could leave early and slow him down, and then go again and catch up. And the sorrel I got is kind of like that now. You can leave early and right. You slow him down. Some horses I got, you leave early on, it's over. You they're blowing. Yeah, just running right through it. That one you can kind of guess. Like you said, maybe they're all running pretty good, and that one didn't. It and just so I just read it wrong, and then yeah, I just kind of went to the pin and just probably pulled. I thought I was probably gonna break the barrier too. So, um, but you just try. I don't know, just coast through it. A lot of, to me, it's more the horse than anything, but. Right. You, uh, I, I asked you what the move was the other day. I don't even know where we're at. We're just kind of sitting there and, uh, you're like, man, I don't know. I think it's about this, but I'll know when I get in there. Yeah. Is that, what do you mean by that? Well, I, I can't tell the start till I get in the box and feel like, oh, Hey, he's closer than I thought he was going to be, which means I got to see longer. I know at some of the places I've been a lot, but say like Stevenville, kind of when you back in there at Stevenville, it feels like the steer is pretty close to you. They change the, the length of the box of the chute sometimes. Right. But a lot of times, like, the box is kind of narrow. The steer feels like he's pretty close. To me, that feels like I'm going to have to see a little more than I planned on just watching it. Versus sometimes, the other day, I was at Wildwood at a rope, and the box was kind of longer. And it just felt like, oh, it's going to happen faster than I thought. Like, I just kind of get a feel for it. My last decisions when I back in there, like, oh, okay, now. now right. I'm, yeah. Right. I think that's so cool though, just to see, because uh, I, I totally agree with you. Is the the deeper the box, you're like, okay, it happens. It just seems like it happens. Yeah, it happens faster. Yeah. But uh, Stevenville's the same way for me. When I got in the corner, you're like, man, it's. Yeah, I ain't gonna work unless the steer runs. You know. You gotta. It's a. It's just dead. You kind of gotta see it before yeah. before you go. Yeah. All right. So if you could give any advice to to young headers or young guys wanting 
to get to a really high level other than enjoy it, but try to set themselves up to be, to practice and get ready to go. What would that be? I, I did. Well, I think just working at it and then you got to love it. If you don't love it, there's no way it kind of goes hand in hand, love it. And just, you got to, if you don't want to work at it, I don't think you'll be great. I mean, you can be good. I always tell people it's easy to get really good. It's hard to be great. Right. Cause you can't see the greatness, like the good part. You kind of see advancement. Like when you're a 14 year old kid roping, you, you can just see, you know, I can just see my kids getting better, you know? Well, once you reach a certain point, you can't hardly see it. It's just, uh, just baby steps after that. And that's the hard part. You got to push through that. Well, I'm good. That was easy. You think it's going to be easy to get great. And it's almost like the greatness comes so slow. It feels like that. It's just hard to, it's hard to keep working at stuff when you think that you shouldn't have, cause you don't really have to work on stuff really a ton to get to a certain point. And then I feel like once you get to a certain point and you're starting to go against the best guys, that's when you got to really work at it to me. Well, cause everything matters. Every 10th matters. Every two tenths matters. And that, you know, like what's like, well, well, like for example, I hadn't really been to, I've been the same number roper for whatever years. Well, my kid basically, I started taking him roping last March a lot. Right. So in our world, me and you, when we go to an open roping and you come back 10th, it's over. Yeah. You are going for the short go. Or, if they don't pay short go, you could go home because you're not winning anything. Well, it's hard for me to tell him, hey, you're come back 10th. You're liable to win first. Now, you, the ropings are tougher than you think, but you can make up some time or they'll get legs. You're not going to get Jade Jr. and Jake Long the first three callbacks to all rope legs. They're it's not, not happening. They're not giving any money away. No. And so that's what's harder to you know figure out. Like So what I mean by that is when you're growing up, the steps are like, so tents don't matter as much at my kids' level, at me and you's level. Two tenths over four runs is eight tenths. If if you're back in there and you're eight tenths behind, you know, Clay Smith in the short go, you better have the trotter and he better have the runner or else you're not beat. He's going to have to mess up for you to beat him. Right. And that's where, that's why at the top level, it's so tough just because every single thing matters. And that just comes from grinding on it every single day. And I day. think you got to enter a lot. I really do. I think the reason I think jackpots have gotten so tough, because I say there's too many, but that's why they've gotten tough. There's so many people got good at it before people weren't used to doing it and roped it a certain way. And it was almost like, well, we're at the jackpot now. We'll just back off and go catch. And that's just kind of how everybody roped. Well, now everybody's done it so much that everybody's good at it. And it's just sped everything up in my opinion. Well, I think like Wesley Thorpe's a great example. Mm-hmm. He paid for most of his youth growing up by jackpotting, mm-hmm. paid for his college heading at those slide <laughs> ropings, you know, when he's a nine or a 10 yeah. healer. And he, I mean, he can't have a jackpot without him yeah. because he learned how to win at that. Yeah, he's a winner, that guy. I mean, he's unreal. But th- that's what's so crazy is they they have a 50 team or a 50 man deal and he'll enter it heading and healing yeah. and he knows what it takes to win. Yeah. And he's entered so many of those that now when you put him in a situation, it's like, I mean, that, that year that him and Zach went, like the BFI and those wins like that, they were, it was just kind of crazy to see how gamey they really were when it yeah. all got put together. Yeah. And, and then as soon as that happened, they, he hadn't let up, you know? Yeah. Healing's that way though. I, I mean, most of the great healers were, that's the one thing difference between healing and heading. Heading, it can come later. Right. I don't think healing does much. 
Sure. It does for a few guys, but not very many. Yeah, I mean, Caleb Anderson, I think, is starting to heal yeah. pretty phenomenal. Yeah, and he's, he is healing good. He, and he might have always healed like that. Was just now see, I'm just now seeing him. But he's he, been healing really good now. He's 30 years old. You know, and that's, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's that's almost odd for healing. Heading, that can kind of happen. Like, you don't have the right horse, or you just takes a little while to click. And I'm just saying this over time. I mean, Clay Cooper was, you know, Al Bach won the world when he was 21, 1970. You know, everybody yeah. makes a big deal if you win it young now. And you're like, nah, everybody did. My brother made the NFR, and he's 20, his first time out. Never left Montana. Right. You know, Riley Minor made it. I mean, everybody makes it. You know, or like Jade, he, you know, shoot, Jade was the best healer in the world when he was probably 22 years old. So, yeah, you know, there's without a doubt, even if he'd won it or not, people knew, you know, Junior was good. So, healing's different. Healing to me, that would, this is all stuff I would say to my kids. Hey, healing, you better have it fast. I think so. Because yeah. there's not as much to the learning. Healing is there's no scoring. You, you rely on your header, and then basically you rope two feet as many as you can get from the time you start till you're done. Now I'm not, I'm not taking anything away from the guys because the way they do it nowadays is unbelievable. I agree. But you don't have to learn the, what we just talked about. This score is, it's a dead start here. It ain't even about roping the horns at Stephenville. It's about knowing, Hey, Stephenville, you need, you need to see a little more. You need to learn that. Hey, this box is a little longer. Hey, you need to, you need to learn how to score the healing. You don't score your horse head. And you're like, Hey, you got to learn how there's a little bit more variable that goes into it. You know, learning how to handle them, set them up for certain guys, making sure you can finish good. Like, there's all that little stuff that, to me, it's hard for a kid to, you know, some kids get it right away, but some it just takes a little, you know, you're a little bit slower, you know, yeah. process of doing it. Well, and I, I agree. It's like uh, like a Luke Brown or someone like that. He uh, he didn't really make it till what was he, 30, 31, something like that. And he's oh, probably later than that. Yeah, I mean, he might have early 30s. Forever. I mean, he, he wrote, he's been around forever. Yeah, so I'm saying Hedden, Hedden can come later for you. I, healing it has for a few guys, too. It just doesn't. It seems like some of the good healers are good right away. I mean, Steve Northcott was at the NFR. Yeah, he was on. 18 or 19 years old. I mean, so, and was good, you know. Sure. And so, I don't know, just different that way. When you say work at it, what what do you mean? Like, take me through a typical work week. Like, let's just say it. we got good weather mm-hmm. and you're, you're practicing and or one of the better headers is going through a typical practice mm-hmm. week. What's that like for you? For me? Yep. Well, for me, I'm going to just, I mean, I'll rope every day. Um, just take Sundays off if, if, you know, if we're busy, you know, try to take Sundays off. But, yeah, just I got four, three to four practice horses, a couple of good ones. I don't ride the good ones every day, rope on them. I usually exercise them. Um, but the practice horses, I got one that's really good. It's almost like a real horse that I did jackpot on that I, he's good practice. Like I want to reach on every time one that's just okay. I don't care how many I run on just kind of try to go through every scenario if I can. Right. Um, just to be ready for anything, almost every practice session. So three or four practice horses. What that's got to be 25 to 40. Yeah, a day. I, I run probably 30 to 50 a day, 30 to 50. Yeah. I don't run less than 30. Don't run less than 30. And you try to make every steer like a, either what you're working on, if you want to work on your reaching, or if you're wanting to work on a setup that you're going to, you kind of, you try to put yourself in that situation. Yeah. I, I felt like I used to do that more than now. Cause it felt like the, I feel like we kind of wrote the same style no matter where we're at now. Right. And it didn't used to be that way. And so it seemed like before more, like say I was getting ready for the BFI, it was like, let them weigh out, 
you know, run close, snapping on them. And nowadays it feels like even with the BFI, you might need to be decently aggressive. And it wasn't that way before. I mean, not that you didn't have to make good runs. It's just different style. And now it feels like we wrote more the same way all the time. So I probably practice less scenarios now than I used to. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, I'd let some out. I go out some, just kind of do, just do a mix or whatever. I probably need to do it better than I even do it. Um, do different. Probably need to go faster more, honestly. Just hard on your steers and all that. But yeah, it gets a little expensive. But yeah, it, oh, practicing is expensive. Yep, it really is. Steers and hay and just all of it goes into it. Practice horses and all that stuff. And then my kids are up now too, so we're we're out there quite a bit. Every day. Yeah. Every day except Sundays. Sundays, yeah. I don't try to rope Sundays, especially if we've been roping quite a bit or I don't got to go nowhere. But, yeah, I do it a lot. I I think that's pretty impressive to hear, especially – and I I think that's why, you know, you've been able to be so competitive for so long. Yeah, but I think Chad does it too. I think Luke does it too. I think I think Chad, I don't know what a squeeze. Is. Chad ropes all day. He's he, got an indoor. He ropes he, the most. He can't stop. Luke ropes a ton. So nowadays, it's snow ropes. I might have been one of the first ones to come along that roped every day quite a bit. I mean, I'm sure there's guys ahead of me. Al Bach roped a lot always. So I don't know if headers. It's hard heading because it's expensive. You got to have the horses to do it. You can't right. you can't do it on your good stuff. Well, you got to have to to me. I think. You, you can't just ride an average head horse, like a kind of a plug. No, and get the same my feel. practice horses ain't plugs. I call them practice horses because that's what I make my runs on. Yep. No, they'd be good. That'd be good. And I mean, though, my best practice horse, Dan Green, wrote the BFI and he was just younger and he won fourth on him. So, and he just got where I just probably rode him too much and I just, just what he is for me. My, right. You know, my kids need to ride it. Everybody can ride him. So we just keep him around. But, and he needs road because he pulls back and cinch you every day. So. There you go. He, every time you sally him up, you're like, oh, okay, I get it. Now I know why. All right. So diving into the mental game a little bit, was there a time when you or something that really helped you get mentally tough to, to kind of handle the ups and downs? Or was there you know, a big influence in your life that way? Uh, I, think I, I think I was raised right. I mean, I have probably not always acted right, but I think I was raised right. Sure. And, uh, the only thing I do is I get too mad, but I don't, the thing that I do that people don't know me because they don't know me very well. If I get mad I'm behind closed, like I don't solve, I've been around some people that don't talk for days. Sure. I'm never like that. I'm going to get mad, get over it, move on. You yeah. let it out pretty quickly. Yeah. If, if you're and mad. I'm done. Yeah. And it's over. Yeah. But some people, I think it's, I'd rather be like that than just not talk for a week. Cause I'm mad. Like I don't solve up or get mad or cause deep down, I really know I'd love roping and try it as hard as, I feel like I possibly could. Do I wish I'd have done better than I did? Yeah, I think that's probably everyone. But at least I know I tried and I give it my all, I thought, you know. Right. And then it's just it's just roping. It's not life, you know. There's bigger things than roping out there, and I, I understand that. But you still got to try hard at it. That's what you do. But So I, I try not to get too down on it as far as like, like I don't enjoy the wins. I've never celebrated a win. I don't think hardly ever in my life. Like I just, you know, a lot of times I won the BFI. I was so tired. I just went to bed, you know, yeah. it's like just exhausted. My head hurt so bad. I couldn't even, you know, if you're in the, if you're in the heat of the BFI or even like if you're, you know, like some of sober winning first and second at the survey, it started, I started the pro-am at nine or whenever they start it. Yeah. And the roping gets over it just before dark and you got to pay attention for that long. That's you're grinding all Take day. Take the boots on and off your horse twelve times because it's kind of hot out. 
drink a few Cokes along the way. It keeps you make sure you're, you know, wired a little bit. And just by the end of the day, you're like, man, I'm done. And that's, but yeah, but I, I don't know. I mean, these are good questions. I think everybody's different. It's just kind of how some of the stuff that I've right. that I've done over the years. Like I said, though, like the kids, I say enjoy it. I want mine to enjoy it, but I'm hard on them too. I'm like, hey. Oh, they got that. I, one thing I can't do is I grew up, my dad, I never got to screw off practicing. Really? No, my dad, no way. Not happening. And I think I just was always, because I was told one time I, I, when I was 18 years old, uh, my dad knew Alan Box, so I went and stayed with him. And this one guy, I, I never forget, he's like, are you always this serious? <laughs> and I'm like, uh, well, practicing, yeah. I just didn't even know any other way to be. Like, that's just how I grew uh, up doing it. Like, my dad would be, he was one of those guys like heading, say I split the horns twice. He would be like, I am sick of you splitting the horns. Miss some other way for me, please. Or just put it on in the chute. Right. Like he, he could not stand me splitting the horns two times in a row. Just just do something. Miss some other way. And he's mad when he's telling me this. But that's just how I kind of grew up. So I always was just bared down practicing. I don't think I've ever had practice sessions where I was just screwing off. Now I'm not talking not working out, reaching on them, but I don't think I've ever just roped where I was just out there just going goofing. going through the motions or just playing around. Like I don't think ever. I don't know if I've ever had one practice session like that. Wow. In my whole entire which I don't even know if that's good now that I think about it. But I mean not one. And my so I'm, I'm a little that way with my kids. It's like you guys can reach or you guys can throw fast, do whatever you want. But no, just screwing off. Well, I, I can really relate to that because heading, there's times where I get so mad in the practice practice <laughs> pen. I get so mad. And I, I used to get mad. I don't anymore practice. Right. Well and I'll just I get, used to, but I'll, I don't. I'll get like frustrated. You know, yeah, you're yeah, yeah. like you're working at it. Oh yeah. But I love healing so much because i have one heel horse i don't enter yeah. very much healing so every time i go heal yeah i i can enjoy it like i might could even drink a beer and go heal, go heal. Yeah. yeah but i heading i'm usually pretty pretty intense now there's been times i definitely have messed around but yeah yeah I, well I, I think everybody's probably a little that way i used to, i don't heal much anymore it seems like just let my kids do it but yeah i think just you don't care as much healing you're just like or, or vice versa if you're a healer and you want to head right i mean i rode with jake long so he he likes to, that guy will rope, man, he'll rope, he'll, he can wear me out, but then shoot, he'll head some, he loves to head. So yeah, I think it's just something fun to do. Well, and I think that's just the difference is like, I, I want to head competitively. Yeah. And when I'm in the practice pin, I'm getting better at something. Yeah. yeah. Healing. I can go over 10 and I still, I mean, I got that homeschool confidence. I think yeah. I'm the greatest healer ever, but I have yeah. <laughs> no intentions of going to a jackpot really. I need to make some t-shirts that say homeschool confidence. Oh, we'll, we'll, we'll get them on X Factor Rough. We'll go <laughs> they to, need we'll, to. We'll give you the trademark to it. Let you sell it. It's true though. Oh, you I, were homeschooled. You know. I use it all the time now because I, I mean, I was homeschooled and it, it's... It's not even a shot. My kids are homeschooled too. And I, I actually think nowadays, I don't even think it's that bad a deal homeschooling. Well, no, but this is what happened to me and this is why I could really relate is I think I'm the best basketball player ever. I think I'm the best at ping pong. <laughs> I think I could make the NFR healing if I wanted to. Yeah. And I, I mean, I could probably play in the league, play basketball if I wanted. Well, as long as because you, your mom's telling you, you can't. Yeah. Probably. And if we got me out there on the court right now, I am not, <laughs> I'm not going to do any good. <laughs> it's it's going to be yeah. bad. I like it. It's a good saying. It's true. It is true. But I, I... Well, what happened to me, I'll, I'll use ping pong, for example. I thought I was the greatest ping pong player ever. And what happened was I, I sucked 
uh, and I learned how to play around a few people right there close. Mm -hmm. And I got where I could kick their ass. Yeah. Like I, they beat me up so bad. And I made sure well, as soon as I got good, I dominated them and yeah. I let them know it until yeah. it ruined the game of ping pong. Yeah. But then what happened was I'd start playing other guys and I could beat most of them. And then freaking Cody Pearson, I played that guy. Unbelievable. He, he beat me so bad. And then what I like, I'm, I'm really competitive. So I, and he's like started laying off on me, and I'm like, dude, I don't want that. Oh, he backed off. Yeah, and I said, here's the deal, man. Ooh, I want that. That's that's almost the the biggest backhanded I, slap. I, I there was is. so pissed when he did it, <laughs> and I told him, I'm like, all right, well, how many points do you need to spot me to 21? So, so you got to play so your you play hardest. Hard, yeah. He said 10. Ooh, and I said, all right, and and I think we played for money, and he beat me like 21. <laughs> I got I, mean, I got two or three points on him, and I was done. I quit playing ping pong after that. And a lot of that was because I didn't want to like, I mean, I went, I went up to the house and I watched videos on YouTube and stuff and like really worked on my, my overhand. I realized how, what it would take to get where I could beat him. And I decided it's not worth it. It's but, too much. It's going to take too much. Yeah. So I quit playing ping pong, but that's, I think that goes back to that homeschool deal. Like I didn't realize, like I never put any work ethic behind a few of those things because I didn't think that's what it, it took to get great. Yeah. And, and I think that that probably happened with my heading a little bit too, as I was you know, in Idaho and I could probably outhead most of the people yeah. in the area and I didn't really develop that. But I think that's where like that homeschool confidence is really good because I'm a very confident person. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, when you get punched in the mouth, it, it's, it's, it's really easy for me to get yeah. down and think I'm, I'm the worst. Yeah. Cause when you go to a public school, like I did and you're playing basketball, not only do you go against your kids in your school a lot, you'll get out and you'll go against, you go to this three on three tournament and you're like, this dude's from Snowtown. I've heard of him. Wow. And he's dunking on me. Yeah. Like it's, yeah, you get beat yeah, up. Yeah. You get beat up. Yeah. Yeah. So you just kind of learn, but I'm with you on that stuff. That ping pong made you. Ping pong's hard to get good at though. You got to have somebody, you got to have somebody good to play again. You can't get good by yourself. I think the Ropens the same way though. I think you got to have like, you had your brother. Yeah. You got to be, you got to oh, I think be we made each other better for sure. Yeah. Cause when you're growing up, everybody, Everybody lives in Texas now, and I know a lot. I know not everybody, but a lot of people do. Just kind of everybody used to live in Arizona. It was a team roping spot or California. It's kind of moved a few different times, but now it's Texas. Say, but everybody, most people ain't even from Texas that live here. They're from somewhere else, and now they live in Texas because it is really the best spot if you rodeo to live. As far as the rodeos are close, and you get to spend most time at home. But so you are in your area you're always the best that's what got you out of there to here right right and so i do think me and my brother you know because growing up we were the best kids you know once we got a little bit older i mean we we're the two best headers for our age is that far. is that something you'll do now like if you're wanting to will you get go ahead with someone now or would you a few years ago i feel like you know yourself so well it's kind of tough um but. no i mean i'm always constantly working on something that's one thing about me and i don't, I don't know if that's good or bad but yeah i'm always trying to get better because i think you know i'm 40 now i think once you try to not get better i think it's over right i think no matter what age i mean i imagine jake barnes if he's out there still trying to figure something out it just seems like that's the kind of guy he is i don't know if i'm right or wrong but he kind of seems that way yeah um because he still enters speed doesn't really enter no more but so, and those are two of the, you know, the legendary headers of all time, but it just seems like if you, as soon as you quit trying or trying to tweak something that you just get passed, you know, passed by. Was there an athlete or someone that you really looked up to that kind of helped you with this, this kind of. Not really, but I love sports. So I was, uh, you're a Kobe guy. No, really Jordan guy. Yeah. Not, Jordan. A, not a Kobe guy. 
Um, I didn't, I didn't like Kobe. Not that I don't, you know, RIP or whatever, but not that I didn't like Kobe's game. Cause I've watched Kobe play in person a lot randomly. I don't know why just, uh, and when he looked done on TV, you'd watch him play in person. And he looked like the best player on the floor. That's why the TV lies to you sometimes. Right. And about basketball, NBA, like you watch on TV and one guy will look good. And then you go there in person. And you're like, Oh, this guy's good. You right. know, you see why or whatever. Um, no, I was a Jordan guy, and that made me not a Kobe guy because I think Kobe just he copied was, Jordan to so much that it almost annoyed me. Sure, the, you know he had the you know the knee brace around the calf, yeah, know, yeah, the wristband. If you look at the early Kobe stuff, he he copied Jordan, his mannerisms, everything to a T. He tried to just copy Jordan, so that bugged me because you know my generation, Jordan was it. Uh, I'm still that's that's my favorite player. Yeah, right? well, and and well, and see. I'm old enough. They didn't have league pass when I was growing up. Right. But they had WGN. Well, that's the Chicago channel. They showed all their games. Sure. So back in, you know, in the nineties, you know, the, you know, 96 or whatever, you know, you could watch every single, I'm in high school and you could watch every single bulls game. So you kind of got, not only you got to watch them win 70 games or whatever they were winning. It was just, they were like the warriors. But I actually think even more famous than the Warriors ever because they were a likable team because they weren't put together. They're like the Warriors were when they started before they got Durant. Like they were all, you know, the two guys were there, Jordan and Pippen. Yep. And then they didn't add, you know, they didn't add a Barkley. They added a Rodman, so it makes them where they were likable. Yeah, so Jordan looked like competitive. Yeah. Crazy competitive is what – I mean, the stories I've read and um, stuff like that, like this dude. Is that where you got some inspiration or just like – I don't know about that, that, but – Cause I was always naturally competitive too. I think my right. dad is, I mean, I always tell a story of my dad. They, when the Wii's first come out, um, <laughs> they got bowling or something. And I wasn't even around. He told like me this story. Bowling or tennis. He's, he's serious. Yeah. He's, he's serious. He's just telling me that cause I don't live up there or nothing. And, uh, for Christmas and everybody's beating him. They kind of making fun of him, laughing at him. Let him know. He said, he said he stayed up all night, figured out, well, my dad at this time has to be in his late fifties. Right you know, mid fifties stayed up all night. So they weren't going to run through him again. And so maybe it's just, you know, I, I agree. I think there's something, there's characteristics that people have that that's who they are. I, I truly believe that. And then there's habits that you can take yeah. and apply. Yeah, I, I agree. That's why I don't say one way is right or the other. That's just my way or what I did it. Right. And I see it now with kids. Like I didn't, like I said, I keep bringing up my kids, but like my dad was that way. Well, my kids are rope every day. They think it's normal to rope every single day. Yeah. They never, because that's all they see me do. They never say, ah, I don't want to do it today. Not once, either one of them. They both saddle up. They'll saddle all the horse. If I'm in town, I say, hey, saddle up every horse. They got it. They, they they don't question any of it. They just, they actually think it's part of. That's, that's what you do. That's the habit. That's Yeah, everyday that's, life. We get up and yep. we do this. They're homeschooled, so they do school, you know. Right. How many hours a day and then and they'll get to rope with me or whatever, but they see me do it. So it's not even a shock for them to go out there. Like if I was their age, I wouldn't have thought it was normal to rope every single day. They, it's just what they see. And so they just do it. So I was probably around my dad and he was probably more competitive than I even thought. I just picked up on it. And like I said, I was a little bit like that when I was young. Cause my wife's questioned me. She's like, what, when did you get this way? Like being, you know, kind yeah. of be half mad at me. When, when did you become such and a I was freak? Like, yeah. And I was like, well, I was probably five. <laughs> I mean, say, I mean, I, since I can remember, yeah. So I don't know any different. So, and my little one's that way too. So then you kind of see it in another kid you got and you're like, man, I don't know. Do you wish you'd have understood more about yourself at a younger age in your career? Yeah, but I think that's everyone. You, that's the problem with life is you get smart and then the skills go away. Sure. Every sport, it's like, 
Sports, exactly. It doesn't go away in business, but in sports it goes away. When your brain catches up, then your ability is gone. We're a little bit like golf. We're open so we can go longer. Right. But like if you're in basketball, when you finally understand the game, then your body's shot and you can't do it. I, and that's the tricky part with life. I, I don't, in sports anyways, sports life, that's the tricky part. I agree. Uh, I think, man, it's it's kind of odd to me because there's there's a few few of you guys like that really jump out that I, I I think you and Jake are pretty similar as far as I think you guys are really really competitive, and her, we actually when X Factors first started we were just like we were doing a few interviews, and someone asked him, uh, you know, anything you would like to say to the younger generation of headers, and he was like, yeah, if you're 20 years old and I'm still beating you. You should be embarrassed. <laughs> well, that's and, what I tell some of the young guys that give me crap. And I like when they talk crap to me. I really do. Yeah. Um, but that's what I tell them, too. It's like, hey, they're like, when are you going to quit? And I was like, when are you going to beat me? And so there's a little bit of truth. T. Woman said that, too, one time. Right. They were giving him crap because he's when I first started. I, I didn't. I knew all those guys. And my dad wrote against those guys. I actually didn't really give him crap. But like the younger guys that would. I mean, I tried to get along. We, you know, there'd be arguments or whatever, disagreements. But. Yeah, they, they'd tell T, hey, when are you going to quit, old man? He's like, well, if you'd ever start beating me, I would, but that ain't happening, so yeah. i got to keep going. So, yeah, Jake, he's, Jake is a competitive guy. I mean, he's, he, you know what's crazy about guys? Like when when I first started, we're talking, uh, you know, roping or whatever, the goal card, like the guys in the goal card were, you know, their careers had been done forever. They couldn't rope. Right. Jake Barnes can throw as good a head loop as anybody in the world still. And yeah. he's got to be 60, at I, least 60 years old. I mean, Walt Woodard, 63, four years old or whatever, can still hit that, that. That did not happen when I first started. These guys, Clay Cooper, I mean, still make the NFR. They're, Easily, they're, it looks like. He's got to be down near 60 years old. I watched uh, Jake and Clay over there at the Serbia the other day, and it was amazing how well they, 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 they hold they up. Could, they could win it if they had the right steers. Yes. They, Just like any of us. And they're, they're not a team that's entered that, like, Oh, they they were good. It's fun to watch. No, they legitimately could win the roping. Yeah, and that's that's amazing. It is amazing. I, I to be that competitive. And it scares that. me about myself because I'm like, I don't know if I want to do it. Like, right? I'm weirdly like, I don't know if I once I quit roping if I'd keep roping. Sure, because it's like, it, well, I've always just did it to see how good I could get, and it'd be hard for me to just go out there to hey. Let's we run 10. I, I just don't. Let's go have fun practicing. I don't know if I got around. any. I yeah. was kind of always been all in or not. Like, so yeah. I don't know what it would be like for me. Right. All right. I, we'll, we'll get the podcast wrapped up. I do got one question. We brought up Walt Woodard. And, mm-hmm. and I know that I, when you guys first started roping, um, that I, I think it maybe the year, maybe you didn't even make the finals, but it was like uh, he was roping with Travis and Walt decided that he was going to kind of be done rodeoing. That summer, I think this is how it went. Is that, is that I was roping with Walt. You were roping. With Walt? I roped with Walt in 07 and 08. When did you guys start? Like in the springtime of 07. In the springtime. So I I heard when you guys had first started that you had turned him a few at the rodeos, and he kind of he might like might have missed the first one. Is this the correct story? I don't know. I haven't heard the story, so I, don't, I probably won't remember it, even if it's true or not. But I don't. I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm just kind of curious, and this could be completely false. I, I had heard it from uh, someone. I don't even remember, but it was like uh, the first few rodeos, like first three, like you turn him one back to win it, win something, he misses. Second one, same type of deal. Might have missed three in a row for you at the first three rodeos. And after each run, 
Walt would talk to you. He'd be like, hey, you'd say something. Oh, don't worry about it. It was probably a bad handle. And then after the third or fourth one, it was like, hey, you're a world-class healer. We need to figure it out. I don't know if I talk like that because I don't, I don't know if that story is true or not, but I can't even remember how we did That's So I wouldn't even know if that was right. true. Um, well, I'm kidding. So he I, won the world though that year, the first year we roped, he won right. it in 07. And this, this could be completely false, but what I, what I'm kind of would like to last kind of topic I want to get on is communicating to your partners when you're as competitive as you are. Oh, I honestly, if you'd interview those guys, they, they're shocked when they rub with me. I don't, I don't say anything ever to him. Really? No, not nothing. I, I know that Jake told me that the other day. He's like, "Hey, you are the most accountable partner." Yes, yes I will say that. Like you own up to yes. everything. Yeah, I will not. That's what people that don't know me that start rolling with me think I'm one way, and they like. Jake's like, man, I thought you would be completely different than what I thought, or I'm completely different than what he thought. Right. Yeah, I don't. I have a theory. If I have to coach you on your healing, I'm not going to rope with you. Right. Because if you don't got it, then we, it, it, this ain't no good. If you, if you and you don't need to, need to coach on me either. I got it. Right. You know, we can, we can talk about if we're having, but I already know. Like, see, that's the thing. Once you've roped long enough, if I give you a bad go, I had a front row seat of it. Yep. I'm like, eh, it wasn't that good. Because, see, sometimes the video lies. You can watch a video back and be like, oh, he looked healable. And in real life, you're like, he wasn't catching that one. Sure. You know, when you got it, when you're, you know, 15 feet away and stuff's happening fast. You're like, yeah, it wasn't happening. And then you watch a video like, Oh, he wasn't that bad to heal. And you're like, no, he was. So I already know. And that's what I tell, you know, I, I don't really break runs down. Me and Jade, we never even talked about runs really or nothing. We wrote for five years and we never had a game plan hardly going into one steer. Really? I mean, there'd be a random time where I'd be like, man, the steers, cause Nowadays, you don't really want them hazed that much left because you're too slow. Yeah, you just kind of let them straight. Well, straight's good. Straight's yeah. better than, you know, right sometimes ain't no good. But sometimes right's better than straight left. Le- straight left's to me is the worst. Yep. Unless you got arena everywhere, but it ain't the best. Usually you're too slow. Right. So there'd be the random occasion where, you know, the steers were just running. And if you hazed them a little bit, it seemed like they're way better. We would, I'd say, hey, man, maybe today, I don't know. They just, for some reason, they're running off to the right. They're running harder, way harder. And if they get hazed a little bit, they're slow, but. And even with Jake, I haven't really broke it down. Or even when I wrote to travel, I, I, I just didn't really do it a whole lot. Never say anything about their healing or not. Sure. And so that, because I think that's really important to understand is when you're done, like even if you guys are struggling and you mess up, you tell your partner, that was on me. And oh, then, oh, yeah. Like I'll tell always. them like, yeah, I, I never get on to them. I have a weird, there is something weird about me and I don't know why I'm like this. I... When I'm thinking in a rope and if I'm doing good, I feel like they will never mess up. Like I never think in my mind, I'm like, hey, if I just get through it, I'm going to win. I, I, for some reason, I never think my healer's ever going to mess up. Right. And I've always been that way. I don't know why. I think about like, surely they mess up all the time or I mess up all the time. And you're like, but some way I just, in my head, I always think I do my job good. They're catching. Right. And I just kind of leave it at that. I don't. I don't know. I don't, but we don't break down a lot. I hate talking team roping all day long. I don't mind doing it like this, but sure. Well, this is so much fun. Well, yeah, but I mean, you can over, <laughs> you can over talk it and have this game plan. And then the steer didn't do what you thought and it just messed you up. And it's just, I'm almost better. If, I mean, I want to know if the steer lopes and that's about it. Right. Everything else I can, if he's really slow, sometimes it's good to know. And then that way I think it's like, you've got your practice. You you know 
what your job is. Yeah. You know what the steer does or not. And then yeah. you go do your jobs. Yeah. And then you go to the next one. Well, how, how much fun is it if you have a healer that's coaching on you? I've had some coach on me and it's the most miserable experience of my life. Right. And I didn't need it and it didn't make me better. And probably, honestly, I could have probably been coaching on them. Sure. You know? And I just, you know, never have done it. I don't, you know, and this is, um, we're talking way back. Yeah. And so no one really wants, once you reach a certain level, there's no, you know, Hey, I, I know if I went too fast or too slow, you know, I kind of know. And I'll tell you, Hey man, I was on me. Yeah. You know? And then, uh, if you see your guy struggling ever and he wants to talk about it, is there a certain way you like try to communicate? Yeah. Yeah. But I, honestly, these guys don't struggle that much. You know, overall, they don't. Right. You know, Jade don't seem like he ever struggled. Right. And uh, Jake Long's rope good for me. I haven't roped as good, you know, not good enough for him, I feel like. And rodeo's weird nowadays. It's all about one steer at the end. It's not about leading up to it. It's about, so it's a little bit different in the wintertime. It's all big money on one steer. Yeah. So it's different. Summertime's not like that, but the, the wintertime is. But yeah, I don't feel like I've roped as good as I've needed to rope. I'm, I'm always just focused on me, really. It's kind of crazy. Just your job. Yeah, because I feel like it's hard enough, you know, just staying sharp yourself and, right. you know, not, don't need to worry about what they're doing too. I think people that worry about their healers or headers are just excuse guys and just blaming, just a blame game, you know what I mean? Right. I mean, how many guys have told you they turned one for first and their healer missed? Well, everyone. They, yeah. And then you, then you're like, if you're the guy that's really himself and watch Slack, you're like that guy that just said that's never turned one for first. Right. You know what I mean? I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but well, and I, and then there's a the healer that'll rub it. The only thing that bothers me, which Jade never did it. I know Jake long hasn't done it is I don't like the healers. I feel bad. Cause I, I don't know if I've ever had a guy do it, but you see the healers that rope a leg and won't dally on purpose <laughs> and then get a dally. And then basically like we're going to be too slow. Yeah. I don't like that. Yeah. Which I haven't had a guy, because as a header, I think it's good to know, hey, where am I at? So dally on that leg. Dally so on know. the leg. You know. And every once in a while, he will step in at the last second. Well, or. You know what I mean? But the other thing is, like, you know, you can start measuring, like, hey, I'm. Because there'll be times where you're at a hunter team rodeo yeah. that you don't. I mean, I feel like you turned one for a lot of money, and that's what you, you're yeah. like, okay, this is. But you know, you could probably press a little bit harder yeah. and take more risk. So if you're right in and you're dialed yeah. in and turning them, yeah. that, that's the why. The time, it helps a lot, I think. Yeah. It does me good, leg or not, just, you know. And if they don't dally and then dally, it's hard to tell what you would have been. Sure. I, I Man, I'd never thought about it like that. That's a, that's a good point. Um, I just watched. I haven't really I haven't really had that happen to me. But I probably have had it happen to me, but not on purpose probably. And then I see some guys that do it all the time. <laughs> right. Well, and I th I think, man, what what I love and I think is really important to take away from this is how much you own up to it. And that's something like I've 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 like I've I've kind of got to know you more. I've really tried to to make sure that people know and I I really try to pride myself in that with my roping is I make no excuses with my roping. And I think that's because of a lot of guys that like like yourself that I watch like it as soon as you stop making excuses like oh, I spun one for first. Well, how many did you spin for first? Yeah. Because if you didn't yeah. get where you want to go, yeah, it's because you didn't turn enough for first. Yeah, and if I have that mindset, I, I think that you, you're a lot better off. Like, I, for example, I was roping with Pearson a few years ago, and I think that kid heals great. Yeah, I do too. And um, someone was going to rope with him that next year, and they called me and asked me about his roping, and I said, "Man, I think the only reason he didn't make the finals last year was I didn't rope good enough." 
said, and 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 I think that if you can have those like that mindset, but not break yourself down, yeah, I think that's where it's it, it gets. You know, you know, yeah, I, I don't want, I don't think it needs to be like destructive criticism of yourself, but if it's just kind of an honest assessment of what's going on, yep, then I think you're fine. I mean, it's, if you're just telling yourself the truth, like, Hey, I need to do this better. It's not, you're not really knocking yourself. You're just like, well, you, you need to do better. And you put it on yourself and not on outside, outside influence. Yeah. Because I always hear, well, I had that steer, steer took me out. Well, what about the other guy that had him that didn't take him out? Yeah. So, I mean, there's very few steers that are uncatchable. There's some we don't want. There's sure. a lot of them we don't want. But well, and I think that's where you find greatness in guys. Like, I, I think that's where greatness shows through is the ones, those healers that catch that steer that was really hard to heal. Like, Junior's healed a couple steers at the NFR that I thought were yeah. very hard to heal. And I think yeah. that's what's making him a great healer. Yeah. But it's the difference on those one or two little steers that they get by. They probably don't win anything on them. But if they get by them, it's like, wow. You know, that yeah. that makes a big difference. But they might, though, too. I mean, yeah, it, yeah. one or two steers sometimes at the right spots. Well, that's what I mean. Like, uh, he might not have won anything at that, that yeah. round at the NFR, yeah. but it might it make a difference. Because yes. every round matters there. Yeah. It or the, carries over to the next one as far as what you win in the average. Yeah, every. Yeah, it's huge. Or the or the BFI, or even like the steer at the Lone Star Shootout for you last year. You know, the, the be able to get by the misread at the barrier. Yeah. Because you know your horse well enough yeah. and how to score them that you but could do it. But it's 40000 in a yeah. $40,000 trailer. And it was within yeah. inches. And yeah, yeah. Or, or less. Yeah. It, inch. Good string. <laughs> yeah, good string. <laughs> All right, Clay. Well, I've had you here for quite some time. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. Thank you very much. I appreciate it.